Hi, I'm Sharon Jones, Head of Digital Innovation at the King's Fund, and today I'm speaking to Druti Shah, who is a journalist, a creative practitioner, a poet and a businesswoman. Our topic of discussion is failure and how this often difficult admission can be seen as a learning opportunity. Hi, Druti. Hello, Sharon. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining the podcast. You've had a really interesting career path and I'm guessing, like most people, you've experienced plenty of failure along the way. Can you talk about what failure is and why we aren't that open to it? I think failure is a really fascinating word. Mm. And in fact, I'm a big fan of etymology. So first off, I'm just going to tell you what the etymology is. So the origins. And it was first recorded in the dictionary in 1643. But it's to do with emissions, right? Emissions Mm. of occurrence and, you know, gaps. And the word goes back to the old French. So way back when. But it's those gaps that I think are really, really fascinating. And the fact that with failure, it's about, oh, I didn't get to do this. Or this didn't happen. This isn't going ahead because something's missing. Hmm. And I think sometimes with failure, it's really important to remember it's a word. Yeah. And we bring meaning to it and we bring culture to it. So for a lot of people, failure is something negative because, you know, we're brought up using that connotation. But is it really something negative or is it something that we can be quite subversive about? And that's what I love to do is I like to be a little bit subversive and have a little bit of fun with with words and concepts. And when it comes to failure, I'm just like everybody else and I fail a hell of a lot. But at the same time, I'm getting very comfortable with the uncomfortable. And if you're doing that, then you've got to accept and embrace failure and those gaps. Absolutely. And it's just such an emotive kind of, you know, it's just very emotive, isn't it, essentially? And, and sometimes it's difficult to acknowledge when things have gone wrong what is your approach to failure? I fail every single day at something. The beauty of that, though, is that I think it means that I'm trying to do something. And I'm not perfect at all. I get really sad if I get rejection, you know. Mm. It, 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 but it, the question is, do I get stuck in that moment? Or do I accept that that didn't work out and we've got to keep going? So I'll fail, you know... I tripped over my trousers the other day. So I clearly failed in being able to put some clothes on, like a normal you know, <laughs> being in, in, in that respect. But at the same time, I, till, I still continued. I still persevered. And I think that is how I try and approach failure. And even in the workplace situation, yeah. as long as I keep trying, then I have to accept that there's always going to be some degree of failure. I don't think there's anybody in any life, culture, who has this perfect flat stable line Mm. where everything they want goes exactly as it needs to be and I think that's really important for us to to talk about because if everything you want goes as it needs to be how are you opening yourself to other ideas or concepts Mm. but it's true though because you're not you're not really pushing yourself if things go always well if things work out in a in a sort of perfect way um, you don't know what it's like to take risks almost. Yeah, exactly. And risks are really, really important for us to be able to move forward. And there's a concept that comes out around growth mindsets. Like, how can you grow if you're not taking risks and trying things out of that comfort zone? I really think failure shouldn't be considered something negative. I think it should be considered something that's part of the process, something that you factor in so that you can keep moving to be like, okay, do you know what? I... 
I tried to write a poem the other day. I was like, I know I'm going to write this poem about food. I want to enter it in for, for this particular competition. And I started and I was like, I can do this. I'm going to write about, in this instance, it was about spices, actually, spice tins. <laughs> and at the end of it, I had to be like, this is a load of rubbish. Like, I wouldn't want to read it. <laughs> like, it's absolutely... I'm glad I got these thoughts out of my head because I don't want to actually return to them again. Because I don't think they, they provide value to anybody who wants to read my poetry. And they're also not fun. I like to have fun poems. So in this instance, I actually just ended up, you know, recycling the paper because one recycles nowadays because it's eco-friendly. And I just thought, I'm not going to do that again. And instead, I'm going to come up with another concept because I still actually want to enter this competition. Mm. I still want to write about food. I still want to play with this. But I tried something. It didn't work at all. But that at least is now out of the way. So now I can try something and maybe it won't work again. But at least I'm trying. And I think that's really important, again, for failure and for moving forward and having that growth mindset. And do you think that's something that is quite natural to people who are creative? Or do you think if you aren't in that kind of creative industry, you you see it differently? I actually do think it's a learned behaviour. I, I do. And I do think it's not. It's because you end up understanding what other people's mo- motives and meanings are. And I don't always think that something like failure will, na- you know, will, will, will be natural to a creative until they come across the concept of what is failure. And we probably learn that when we're kids, you know, but yet you can be creative at any age. Some people don't tap into their creativity until they're perhaps at a much older age, although they don't return to it because it comes out of them because they decide to do something, something else. But then saying that, I know people who are accountants, right? I'm not an accountant. I wish I was in a way because then I'd understand figures a bit more. But I have envy professional envy nice envy of them because I think they're so imaginative with the way that they're able to deal with the accounts the way that they're able to find play in the in something that they clearly enjoy and just because they don't fall into the element of creativity that perhaps you and I would think is traditional they still pursue it and they've probably failed they probably like these maths don't add up let me try something different you know Mm. so I hope I hope I haven't just failed in answering your question. This is the issue. Like I will just go off on a tangent, perhaps fail in responding, <laughs> or perhaps I'm answering because we're experimenting. I don't know, but it's important as a creative to embrace failure. But I would never want to say to someone, "You have to, you know, you have to understand failure is important." They have to take ownership of that themselves and what failure is to them and what success is to them as well. Yeah. So moving the concept of failure into the workplace. You know, there's so many projects going on at any given time across an organisation um, and they're not all going to land. And when the stakes are high in terms of time and investment, what are the tensions that are caused between expectation versus reality? Failure is really, really important. Like, I honestly think that you have to incorporate a failure buffer, that mm. if you're going to try something, you have to accept that there are going to be elements of it that just aren't going to work in the way that you expect so going back to that element of expectations. Yeah. And don't forget about luck. I often actually think luck plays a strong part. And how do you, you know, how do you factor in luck? Sometimes that just comes because the circumstances are the right place, the right time. Mm. You know, when if someone ever says to you, I can definitely make something go viral. I, I always say to them, that's fascinating because I'm intrigued to know, like, what exactly is is it that the magic that you have or or the links that you have to make something go viral? Because a lot of that is based on luck or mm. what people have decided on the day that the algorithms are going to change to this, that or the other. But having 
freedom to breathe in a workplace environment I think is really really important because you have to understand that some things just aren't going to work yeah I'm just going to give a really a, a really quick example and I have this book right it's it's called bear markets and beyond best of business terms you know I'll give it a bit of a, a plug because why not but <laughs> it came from an idea which I submitted when I used to work at the BBC a long time ago to something called the creative challenge Right. Doesn't that sound amazing? Come up with an idea, put it forward. And I was like, this is great. It's um, a project about animal words in business and we're going to illustrate it. Really simple, right? It didn't win. I don't think it even came close to winning whatsoever. We got rejection, We got rejection. the illustrator and I. And that, on one hand, is a failure, right? I tried for something, it didn't even get accepted. Mm. But I also understood that that was just one approach. Yeah. That didn't mean that the whole project was a dud that it just wasn't going to work. It just meant for that audience or for that particular moment in time, for whatever reason, it wasn't for them. That's fair enough. You know, I'm sure they picked an amazing project. But then, because I really believed in it and I knew there was a gap in the market because I'd looked for something like that and I couldn't find it, I continued to persevere. You know, I had like 100 rejections for this book. I didn't have an agent. I didn't follow anything conventional. But the book can now be considered a success. So on one hand, it's a failure. You know, if I just left it, being like, oh, okay, no one, but he, nobody wants it. Maybe it is a stupid idea. But instead, it was that element of, no, some people do believe in it. Let me reframe it. I see there's a gap in the market. So how can I approach that gap in a way that's innovative? How can I make sure that school kids, that families will not be scared of business? That was always my goal. And I think if you've got a goal, an end goal in the workplace, as long as you factor in that failure buffer that some approaches aren't going to work, I honestly think you can be very, very innovative if you really, really believe in that vision to get there. But failure is important. Do not dismiss failure as not allowable. And that's great. And I wonder if how much of that is your tenacious personality as well as luck. If you are a person who might get easily um, dejected by failure you might have just gone okay well I didn't even figure on that competition so I'll just put it in a drawer and close a drawer and never think about it again clearly it wasn't a good idea so what do you think about you know maybe the type of person you are is there something around that or not yeah I am pretty tenacious at one point someone called you know they're like you're like a little rottweiler but that's learned <laughs> behavior <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like if you really really believe in someone something then I think you you, you know you, you can pursue it and I don't think I'm special in that respect. The other thing I think is really important, especially for the workplace environment, by the way, is support. Is having mm. others that are there to lift you when you're having a program that's not particularly working. You know, when you're having a down day, we're all going to have down days. Yeah. When you've reached a, a um, I think in, in programming, you know, they call it yak shavings, but like a, a, a really stuck point that you need to do in order to be able to move forward. And I think I'm just going to give you another example that I think is also really, really important in that, Ages ago, I wrote another piece, again, at the BBC, and it was about relationship dynamics. I really wanted to write about relations and how, you know, things have changed and people reach different milestones nowadays and, you know, not all families are 2.4 children, etc. My beat at that point was the social beat, the social news beat, and there was a, uh, a piece that was trending on Twitter about a comedian who wrote a really lovely nuanced tweet about how she'd been dumped and what was really sad is that she has a cat and the cat loved her boyfriend more than than it seemed to love the owner and so 
I wrote it. I saw there was a lot of engagement that other people were going through the same thing. Um, you know, I managed to speak to someone who had a parrot, a, a dog, you know, so we're looking at different family dynamics because a lot of people are very reliant on their, their pets as companions. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good piece, by the way. But <laughs> with the headline, bearing in mind that I come from a, a social sphere, like the headline was, you know, my, boy, my boyfriend dumped me. So how do I tell the cat? My lordy. When we put that out, it got ratioed. So in terms of ratio, it's when uh, the responses to it are far more negative than perhaps the original tweet. And it wasn't because of the content. The, the journalism was sound. Yeah. It's because of the headline. The headline is very blunt, very mm. S, uh, search engine optimization friendly, very, uh, some would call it clickbait. Clickbaity. Yes. It's very social. So very good on a, on a, a posting. Yeah. But is it appropriate for, at that point, a BBC News website? A lot of people didn't consider so. And in fact, at one point, you know, people were like, this is the end of the BBC. It was not the end of the BBC. Can I just <laughs> give that caveat right now? And so on one hand, oh, gosh, am I a bad journalist? Am I a failure that I've gone and created this whirlwind? Mm. I was really dejected. I was really sad. But I had a really great editor who stood up for me, who supported me who was like, what you've done is the right thing. You know, in fact, I would see on blogs, people who, you know, didn't like the the BBC, the, you know, what I was representing for various reasons, even they were like, but the piece is good. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is being used as a scapegoat position. And so for some people might see it as a failure, but now, and at that point I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, but the piece got loads of engagement. The mm. piece got people talking. So therefore, is it a failure? Or is it something that I'll learn from next time I write a headline? But is actually, as far as I'm concerned, a success. And I think that reframing mm. is something that ke- keeps me going. So in terms of, is that the sort of person I am? I haven't always been like that. I'm actually quite shy. I know now we're talking. But if I know that something that I'm doing is sound or I can justify why I've done that and I know there's support available, it's so much easier to embrace failures. And I think if people can look around at who they have around them, that they're, they're cheerleaders, that are people that will be there to give them solace when things don't go quite right. I think you can build that up as a shield and you can embrace the failure. Yeah, that sounds like really good advice, especially when you're working in a team and you're collaborating with other members of that team. And if, you know, maybe a, a one person's element of the, of the project maybe doesn't go to plan, it's about supporting that person to get the, the right outcomes that you need for that project to go well. When we talk about agile methodologies, there's that idea of failing fast and how that can actually help the process in creating a good outcome. Can you talk a little bit more about that, perhaps? Yeah, I like, so I was talking to a friend of mine about agile methodologies because, you know, I'm, I, I talk the way that I, uh, I write the way that I speak. I like, you know, that phrase, is it a bug? Or is it a feature? And I think that falls into that idea of agile methodologies and failing fast. In that if as long as you try something, surely that's the big thing. Just put it out there. Factor in that failure buffer, which I'll keep pushing because I think that's so important. Factoring that sometimes things aren't going to work. But also be open that as you're going and you're doing that what you're creating, is it a bug? Or is it a feature? Is it something we can adapt to? And I think that's so important to, to include. And, you know, again, when you're thinking about examples, bubble wrap, bubble wrap, when it first came about, it started life as wallpaper, the, the people who invented it. 
didn't pan out so well. Then they were like, let's change it, okay, fair enough. Because, you know, it's been created now. It exists. Yeah. It is in existence. So it's then like used for like greenhouse insulation. Mm. I didn't realise this. You know, I was doing some research. So I'm like, oh, I've learned some of But now, what do we use it as? We use it for packaging. You know why? Because IBM got involved. So IBM then adapted it and changed the bubble wrap. So from wallpaper, greenhouse insulation to packaging. Mm. And so it protects what we what we have. And that failing fast, they could have just given up. But the thing is, they kept trying. Yeah. The people that took it, they kept trying. And I think that is sort of the, one of the key things to remember. You can either remain static and keep the status quo, or you can, is it a bug? Is it a feature um, way of thinking? Yeah, it's about that reframing, I guess. And I think, how do you like, you know, have you got any ideas of how to kind of foster a culture? Because that, that kind of helps if you're working in a space where you're allowed to fail fast you know maybe if your workplace has got a more you know focus on things being right the first time perhaps or maybe you know a culture around excellence how do you deal with that failing fast kind of element of a project there is a really great Stephen Hawking quote right it's mankind's greatest achievements have come about by talking and its greatest failures by not talking. Mm. Talking and communication is so, so important. Mm. And that is how you foster a culture that's innovative, a culture that's not afraid to fail. The fact that there's so much shame sometimes, I think, associated with the word failing. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the thing. If you talk, if you have conversation, if you have dialogue, if you're like, do you know what? I'm trying this out. Okay, try it out. Let's see what happens. Yeah. That element of openness... And transparency to a degree, because I know that sometimes, you know, you, there's commercial concerns involved. But within the team that you're working with or with pe- trusted people, I think that's so important when it comes to that conversation around failure. If you're afraid to tell people what you're up to because you're afraid of what they might think about you or think that you are perhaps someone lower than you are or your ideas are stupid. Then I think we're in a difficult position. If that sort of culture is fostered, it means you're going to be missing out. Remember, we were talking earlier about gaps and how gaps are really, really important. There's also this concept of negative space, right, in art, where um, where you've got perhaps blanks or you, it's, it's not the subject of, of what you're supposed to be looking at. But yet negative space is just as important as the subject in photography and art. Like it's, mm. it's what's surrounding it. It's what gives it context. It, what's, in a way, it's what highlights it. If you're trying to foster a culture that embraces failure, you have to factor in things like negative space. So you just take that concept from art and you you bring it to to you know whatever field you're in. Yeah. And you have to factor in that where there are gaps, where there is omission, you can create play where people can find and experiment but need to feel that they're in a safe enough space to be able to do that, that they're not going to get not particularly constructive criticism, mm. that they're just going to get shamed for the sake of it. If you're in environments, workplace environments, even life environments like that, I think it's much harder then to to create new things, to create original things, to keep moving and and bring forth exciting things into the world. And that boils back to how do we treat failure? Yeah. And if you are 
you might have the culture, but what if you personally find it hard to let that, uh, you know, maybe that best practice go or that element of perfectionism? How do you think you can give advice to people who need to kind of work on that perhaps? It's not easy. And you've not failed if it's time to take more time in order to be able to work on it. That's not a failure. The fact you're even thinking about it is amazing. That's a baby step. That's brilliant. You know, I'm proud of you. You might not even know me, but I'm proud of you. The fact is, you're listening to this podcast, right? The fact is you're trying. And that in itself is brilliant. You're doing something a little bit different. And if you feel, oh, this isn't for me, all it is is finding an approach that you feel comfortable with and that you can bring in those supporters and bring in negotiations so that people support you yeah in order to be able to move forward because let's face it you're never people are different we have different dynamics in teams we have mm. different people you never you know you there's conflict there's always a degree of conflict in fact that's what you need ex- yeah i was gonna say accept that like if you're gonna have failure you're gonna also have conflict because mm. things just don't work there's gonna yeah. be an awkward gel as it were but never ever take it if you can personally it's more like, okay, some situation didn't work out. This didn't work out in those circumstances. But you're trying. This is the most important thing, that you are trying. If you can encourage those conversations, that open dialogue, find those trusted people. If you see it as a, as a process, you're now even more forward than you were 10 minutes ago. That's really helpful. So you know, say you are listening to this and you're, you know, you're still a bit of a risk adverse person or you find it difficult um, failing or, or the idea of failing. What three ways can anyone use failure as a learning opportunity to enhance their work, whatever part of the organisation that they're in? I think that's a really good question. Three is nice. Three is a very simple way of thinking about things. So have room to have failure within your team, within yourself as an individual. So I call it the failure buffer. You can call it what you want. Honestly, you don't have to take on my language. Um, don't expect perfection, but that falls within the, the failure buffer because who knows what perfection is? Talk, have open dialogue, have that conversation about the fact that things might not work out in the way that you expect. So also important with that caveat. And then what I try and do is see as a little bit of an adventure. You know, you're trying something different. Might work out, might not work out. But you had a little adventure in whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's an experiment, whether it's getting out of your comfort zone, whether it's having that conversation that you're scared of because you're, you know, you're worried what's going to come back. But it's a little adventure compared to the day before. You know, and sometimes I think that idea of gamification can sometimes help people, you know, so you apply it in your in your work life often. And a lot of us, you know, we do do gamification in, in various ways, but apply it to these concepts that perhaps you're a little bit hesitant about. And sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to understand. And I think that again goes back to maybe because I think like a kid sometimes it goes back to that element of play when we're kids. 
you know we don't we're not born afraid are we well maybe well I don't know I'm, I'm not a scientist I can't say that I'm a scientist but you know that element of fear a lot of that comes from culture and here we're talking about failure again these are concepts at the end of the day that we've learned to so go back to play sometimes go back to that element of innocence and see where it takes you innocence with with experience thanks so much for taking part duty that was great and, and so insightful and thanks to everyone for listening i hope that's helped your approach when it comes to failure bye for now <laughs>